0: All right, well, hey, we have been taking some time. We've been doing a sermon series over the past month, and we will wrap it up over the next two weeks, and uh, we've titled it What Is This All About? What we're doing is we're going through and talking about Uh, The values that we hold as a church, the values that we want to characterize us, the values that we want to be known by, are values that kind of set the boundaries for who we are as a church, what we do, uh, and how we follow and live out this mission that God's called us to do uh, as a church. So that's what we've been talking about, and so tonight we're going to continue in that. Um, In the back, we do have some notes, if you would like notes. Uh, Dad, if you can help pass those out maybe, Uh, if you would like notes. You can raise your hand and uh, dad will make sure that he gets them to you, Uh, but this is just a chance for you just to kind of Follow along. Maybe if you're like me and you get a little bit easily distracted, uh, it helps you to kind of stay uh, on pace, fill something in, or maybe you just want something to doodle on so you can be distracted. It's my gift to you, whatever you want to do with it. So, uh, we've been trying to do the notes um, during this series um, just to help us to have these, since these are core to who we are as a church and things that we want to hold and to know uh, about who we are. And so, Thank you so much for following along on that. We do have all the podcasts up, so I would encourage you to listen to the other ones as well. If you call this your church home, if you haven't heard them all, and uh, the notes are available as well. So please do that. So what are we talking about here when it comes to the values, when it comes to who we are as a church? So as an organization, any organization should have a why, and you should have a what. But you should also have a how right? Your why, why are you in existence? What's your purpose? What's your goal? What's your function? Why are you there? Every place should know that. You can put it a thousand different ways and churches can list it a thousand different ways and many do on the websites and all this, but what it comes down to clearly in scripture, why do we exist as a church? It's to bring glory to God, and so that others can come to know him as well. That is our function, that is our role, and all that we do as a church is to bring glory to God. It's to proclaim his goodness. It's to point to his faithfulness. It's to show that he is present, that he is working, that he's active, that he is good, that he is just, that everything he said that he was going to do, he has done. Everything he says he's going to do in the future he will do because he's proven it. He's active in our lives. It's the point to him. It's to say, Jesus, in all that we do, our purpose is to give glory to God, to exalt God in our lives so that others can come to know him. That's our Why? right? That's why the church exists. If the church exists for any function outside of that, it's not biblically functioning as a church. Our function as a church is to give glory to God so others can come to know him. That's our why, right? Does that make sense? So our what, our what, what are we doing as City Life Church? I believe I have it there in your notes. Um, Our what is this, is to be a church that declares the abundant life promised in and through Christ That can only be described as heaven now, heaven forever. By developing devoted followers of Christ to live lives full of meaning, purpose, and significance. Here and now in preparation for eternity. And by planting like-minded churches throughout the peninsula. So our what, what is our what? It's to help people live meaningful, full lives here in eternity now, to encourage people. You're not just existing now. You're not just here to suck oxygen. You're here to live a life that is full, that is abundant. John chapter 10, verse 10 is our champion verse. It's our verse that we believe that is one that should excite us and challenge us, that we should function as people who are fully alive, fully connected to what humanity really should be and how it should be carried out because we are living for and with the creator of all things, right? There's an abundant life that's there. So we exist as a church to try to help disciple to develop people to help encourage each and every one of us to find our own purpose and our purpose as a church to live this life full of meaning now to be engaged in the work that God's doing so that is our what that's how we are what we are out to do so our how this is the important thing and this is the important thing to clarify a lot of times when an organization gets to a place if they know their why they know their what but they don't know their how then what happens is is in a moment of trying to carry out your what in your moment of trying to do what it is that you're supposed to be doing if you don't have things that have boundaries or that are established to say this is what you should do or how you're carrying that out what begins to rule the day is opinion and whenever opinion is the thing that rules the day Things get messy. Things get complicated. Feelings get hurt. People get mad. People walk away. And there's anything but unity. And so it's important to know the how. It's important that as we're doing what God's called us to do, as opportunities are presented to us, it's important for us to know what it is that we're doing and how we're doing that. There's going to be moments that come up and we can see it and say, wow, that's going to be a great opportunity. But if you don't know your how, you might jump into something that could absolutely destroy you. If you don't know your how, if you don't know why you're doing your things, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, if you don't know how you're carrying that out, then all of a sudden you can be inviting all kinds of chaos into your life. And then one day you're like, what in the world are we doing? And you're going to have no clue. We don't want to be in that place as a church. We want to be in a place where we are walking in the direction that God's called us to do and having things that allows us to function as a fully devoted body of Christ where each person is recognizing the purpose that God has placed into them. They're living a life of meaning and purpose. And as each and every one of us are doing that, God is being exalted. He's being glorified. The needs of the church, the needs of the community, the needs of the world, they're being met. Jesus is being glorified and people are falling in love with Jesus and things are awesome, right? Right? That's the way it's supposed to be. Now, things are going to not always be perfect, right? So we want to strive, but that's why it's good for us to go through these. It's why it's good for us to take time, even during the service, to walk through this stuff, just to clarify and to remind us what we are doing. So that's what we're walking through and talking about in this sermon series the main text that we've been in is romans chapter 12 so you can go ahead and turn there it is in your notes if you have that but if you've got a bible or you would like to follow along on your phone we'll be in romans chapter 12 as well as many other verses tonight Um, but we're going to pray real fast before we jump into everything just so i can have an excuse to grab water father we thank you and because praying is important that was horrible father we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, for your word. God, uh, we thank you that your word is truth. God, that your word is active, it's living. And Father, we pray that in this moment, as your word is revealed to us, God, that our faith will be strengthened. God, that your purpose in our lives will be clarified. And God, that we will walk in the destiny that you've called us to live. God, that you truly will be glorified. Father, pray that even as we speak tonight, God, that each and every one of us, Lord, that we'll know the truth and hold on to the truth, that in Christ there is no condemnation. God, that these words are words to encourage. God, I pray that we're challenged. I pray that we're pressed. And even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, God, even in that moment, help us to know And to embrace the fact that you're good, that you're faithful, that you're building us up and that you're exposing us to the plans that you have for us, which are bigger and better than anything we could want for ourselves. God, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good stuff. Nothing like starting off a sermon with trying to find an excuse to pray or drink water. That's awesome. Gosh, hopefully it gets better from here, right? Romans chapter 12, as I said earlier, is where we're going to be. I do have a question for you tonight that I want to start off is, is, I want to ask you this. When was the last time you were excited to start your day? Like when was the last time you were just like, I can't wait to wake up and get started with today? When was the last time that happened? Christmas Eve, Eve, all right? (laughs) Christmas Eve, I like it. So, think about it. Think about that day. Think about what was going on in your life. Think about what was happening. What were you looking forward to? I'm going to ask a little sub-question, right? When was the last time you came to church excited to walk into the doors? Right? was that? All right, Dario said tonight. Well, I think he did. When I called him, he said, yeah. So, he's probably... (laughs) <laughs> ah, that's awesome so right so it's like when was the last time you just started your day excited when was the last time you walked into church just excited for what was about to happen my kids I absolutely love my kids I talk about them all the time I, being a dad just my one of my favorite things in the world um, I uh, love raising my kids being a part of their lives and uh, one of my favorite things is, is I wake them up pretty much every morning and uh, I go in there and you know we've got a routine to so wake them up Rylan you know, she's my sweetheart, she's my girl, and uh, so I walk into her room, and I open up the door, and I walk up to her bed, and she's always laying there, and she's got like 32 blankets and every stuffed animal, and sometimes I have to hunt for her to make sure that she's actually still in her bed, you know? And so I kind of go through that, and then I find her, and then I rub her sweet little back, and I just say, good morning, baby girl. And and so she grabs my hand, and then she pulls me into bed, and we snuggle, and I love it, and I'm going to cry the day that it's gone, and it's going to take me a long time for the dude that steals her from me to like him. But anyways... So, we go through, and we do that, and then I walk out, and I go into Brayden's room, and you know, I go in there, and he's laying in his bed. It's so funny. Every single morning, it's my favorite thing in the world. I go in there, open up his door, and uh, they sleep with box fans, because man, that's just awesome. If you've never slept with a box fan, just the white noise, it just knocks everything out. So glorious. Oh. So I go in there and I turn off his box fan, right? And then uh, I walk up to his bed. So you turn off the box fan and it goes all the way from, you know, this hum, just filling the room all the way to absolutely nothing, just complete silence, you know? So you know that he's like waking up, you know? Like it's the worst because we do sleep with box fans, all of us. Um, in fact, we actually have two in our room. Don't judge us, but you know, um, we don't want to hear anything. I want to sleep, you know? And so we're in there. If the power ever goes out in the middle of the night, it's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you're just like, ah, you know? So I open up his door. I turn off his box fan. And I start walking towards his bed. I already know that he's like waking up, right? And so I walk into his bed and I reach up and he's got a bunk bed, so I reach way up and I put my hand on his head and every single time he's like, ah! And he like jumps up in the air. And I was just like, you're ridiculous, but that's he's just a ridiculous human being. So we go there and we do this every single morning, right? One of my favorite things, though, is that that... They just love life. They love just, I mean, they're just always fully engaged and just excited about life. And so on a regular basis, I'll go into Ryland's room. And I'll go in there and I go to rubber back and and I sit there and I'm hunting through the blankets. And she just did this, uh, it was uh, two days ago, she just did this. And uh, I go in there and I'm hunting through the blankets and then she's like acting like she's all asleep. And then all of a sudden she took her blankets and she's like, she's like, and she just like throws her blankets off. And she's fully dressed, right? She's just fully dressed and she's like fully awake. She's like, I was waiting for you to come in. And I was like, why are you so excited for today? She's like, because I get to wear this beautiful dress you know, and I'm like, that's awesome, baby, or sometimes it's like, so why are you so excited today, because you're taking me to get donuts, and I'm like, yeah, I am, let's go, right, or I was just like, hey, why are you excited, because I get to be my teacher's helper today, I get to be the one that sharpens pencils, and I'm like, oh, don't ever lose that innocence, that's awesome, you know, and so it's just like, you know, that they were bright, and I go in, and I'm like, dude, you know, he'll do the same thing, he'll just be like, bah. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, all right, whatever. He's just like, I'm already dressed. You know, I've been up for 30 minutes. Why are you up? Because I knew we were going for a run this morning. I could not wait to go for a run with you. You know, and they've got all of their things that they're going through. (laughs) Sometimes there was one time where I was like, are you for real? Like, this is like, he woke up. He was so excited. Like, I walked in his room. He's already up, lights on. He's already like full on. I was like, why are you so like excited for today? He's like, dad, we're taking the SOLs. And I was like, "That's that's a test at school. I was, like, are, I was like, are you nervous? No, I'm so excited. I love the SOLs. And I'm like, all right. And he does. Even his teacher, he's like, he loves the SOLs. I don't know why, but he really loves it. And I'm like, that's awesome, right? Like, when, when was the last time you were that excited for your day? When was, when was the last time you just had something that was so alive in your heart that you're like, I can't wait to be a part of that? I can't wait to feel that alive. I can't wait to experience what that is going to look like today. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in service tonight. When was the last time you had that type of passion, that type of energy for your day, for your life, for church? When was the last time? It's a thought-provoking question. What if I were to tell you that you could live your life every single day with that type of excitement, with that type of passion? What if I were to tell you that's the type of life that God wants you to live? Every single day, waking up, and you're like, yes, today I get to go to work. Yes, today I get to go, and I get to hang out with a bunch of people at work, and they're all grumpy and cranky, and I don't really enjoy my job, but I get to go to that place because God has me there, and he's doing something through me, and I'm telling you, something's going to change in somebody's life today. To have that perspective, to have that passion, to have that zeal, it's possible. It's possible to have that passionate zeal for your marriage. It's possible to have that passion and that zeal for your job, for raising your kids, for living in your neighborhood, for coming to your church. And in fact, that's the way God wants you to live. That's the type of life that he wants you to live. He wants to walk in, finding you with expectation and anticipation that he's there, that he's working, that he's engaged, that he's doing something, and he's called you to be a part of it. That's the way he wants each and every one of us to live. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled. In a flame. That's the message translation. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The message translation, it says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Isn't that awesome? Like, that's what Jesus came for. That's the passion he wants us to have. In Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, it says, You make known the path of life. This is a psalmist he's writing, he's speaking to God. You make known the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That word life there, you know what that word life is not? It's not exist, it's not just alive. That word life, if you use it in the context of vegetation, when you see it used throughout the scriptures in Hebrew and even other writings in Hebrew, when it's talking about vegetation, it's talking about the greenness, the newness of a vegetation, the early sprouts where it is getting ready to burst forth with fruit, that it's getting ready to burst forth with life. When it's talking about rivers, it's talking about fresh flowing, raging rivers that bring life to everything around it. When it's talking about humanity, you know what it's talking about when it comes to life? It's talking about a person, a woman, a man, a child who is active, active in the things of God. When it says life, it's not just I'm alive. It's not just I survived another day. It's not just God helped me make it and maybe, 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 maybe tomorrow will come. It's to step out and to say, no, wherever God sends me, wherever God takes me, God has purpose for that place. God wants to bring fruit into that place. God wants to bring life through what he's doing in my life to help encourage others to come to know him. That's the life that God wants each and every one of us to live. Come on, that's good stuff. This is where we're at in Romans chapter 12. Paul is speaking to the Romans he's speaking to the Gentiles and he's talking to them he's just taking chapter 10 and 11 and really all the way up until this point of Romans he's walking through and he's giving them doctrine and and just saying this is who Jesus is and this is what faith in him is and this is what life in Christ is and all the way from the beginning of time when God said this is what he was going to do this is how God's working it out and it's how he worked it out through Jesus and it's how he's doing it right now in our midst we've been waiting We've been anticipating, and it's happening right here in front of us. So he's going all the way through. In chapter 10, he talks about how if we believe in him, that in our hearts, if we believe in him with our mouths, we confess him to be Lord, then we're saved. He's saying, listen, it's not about who you are. It's not about where you come from. It's not about what you've done. It's not about the work you can do. It's not about the work you should have done. It's about Jesus and Jesus and his free gift of grace. He loved you and embraced you and claimed you. as his own. And then he goes through in chapter 11 and says, it doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter what things look like, and it doesn't matter which way things seem to be going. God is faithful, and what God said he was going to do, he's always going to come through. He is always, in any situation, even if it looks like it isn't true, it is true that he's showing mercy in that moment, that he's showing grace in that moment, that everything God is doing is a pouring out of his love so that people will come to know him and see him and turn to him even in the running because God is faithful. In verse 36 of chapter 11 it says that God, everything, through all things he's doing this to receive glory. He's doing all of this and he goes through in chapter 10 and 11 and he's talking about this and then he says this in verse 1 of chapter 12 and so and so therefore Since all of this is true, since God is faithful, since God said that he was going to save us, since God said he was going to redeem us, since God said he was going to make us right with him, since God said that he was going to claim us to be his, and he has done so through Christ, and now we have a chance to be in relationship with him, and he's still working, and he's still drawing, and he's still active, and he's still pouring out his love. And so, because of all of that, therefore... Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. I put a note in here for you. The tendency of Christianity, we talked about this last week, the tendency of Christianity is activity. I said, as you come in contact with who He is, as you come in contact with His goodness, as you become aware of His grace, you your eyes are revealed to all the things that God is doing and you see yourself as he sees you as that continues to grow and as you continue to become more of the way he's called you to be and created you to be in Christ. As you grow, as you develop, you only would grow in this, but there's an instant sense that we should be and a sense that we should be increasing in our activity to serve God and to chase after the things that he gives us. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. If you're unsure about that, go through and just read. Anytime anybody comes in contact with God, activity spurs from their life. Romans chapter 2 verse 12, or Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, listen to this, but let God, if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, underline this in your Bible. If you don't write in your Bible, start writing in your Bible. But let God, unless you're just really A-type and you can't do it, I understand. Write it on another piece of paper and underline that. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Verse 3, I've got this highlighted in your notes. We're going to come back to this in a little bit. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the gift, to, uh, the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are teaching, I want to highlight just real quick because most translations have that right there as serving others. I want to highlight that word there, serving. What it's talking about really is the sense of being a deacon. What a deacon is in understanding scripture is a person that helps the poor, a person that helps the needy, that helps the afflicted, that helps the hungry. If you are a person that serves those that are less fortunate, if you are a person that is ministering to the body of Christ, to the community, so that needs can be met, so that God can be glorified, in that, that's serving. Does that make sense? I actually had a person one time who like, says, well, it says some people have the gift of serving. It's, it kind of reads like some people don't. So, like, I don't really serve, you know? That's not what it's saying. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. It's a good attempt, but wrong. <laughs> serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is gift-giving, Give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In this verse nine, this helps us to understand even why I would say that to this person. Verse nine helps us that it's not to say that some can give and some don't. It's not to say some teach and some don't. Some might not have a certain gift, but there's some things in each of our lives as we're followers of Christ that we will have more of, but there should be sense of all of these things should be active in our lives to a degree um, and, and work in our lives. Because you might not be a teacher that stands up in front of a room and like I am in this moment. Or you might not be a teacher that stands up in front of a, a different moment during Discover City Life. Or you know, something that would be considered like a Sunday school class or something like that. Maybe you don't teach in that way. But as a disciple of Christ, you were called and you were chosen to be a disciple maker. And so whether it's your children, your spouse, your coworker, or somebody that you sit next to that you call your best friend, you are to teach them and you are to teach yourself the scriptures. Does that make sense? So none of us can be exempt from any of the gifts. Each and every one of these gifts have some activity in our life, but one gift or another may be higher than the others. Does that make sense? You I may mean, see this in verse nine. It says, don't just to pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. See, this clarifies for us because we can't just look into a situation and be like, somebody should teach them, and you're the only one standing there, and you're the only one that see it. Guess who you are chosen to be the teacher, <laughs> right? Somebody really needs the gift of that. You notice it. Guess what? You're the giver, right? Now, there is some people, they're wired and they're just it's in their DNA. They're just generous in everything that they do. Like, I mean, there's people that when you're around them, they just, they just do generous things and they don't even think about it. Like, I mean, it's just literally just part of their nature. That's their gift. It's their primary gift. But that doesn't mean that you're not a giver. Does that make sense? Okay. Love each other. Thank you, Celeste. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Our goal is to what? Come together to glorify God so that others can come to know him. And it's not just first time salvation. There's people that are in my life. and There's people that I'm seeking out to be in my life that are a little bit further in the journey. They're a little bit deeper in a discipline. They're a little bit more effective in some areas. And I'm seeking those people out. There's people that I want in my life that can come along me, that they can do the same thing. What? Reveal God to me. Because God is never a God that can be known. He's never a God that can be put in a box. He's never a God that we can say, oh, I got this whole thing figured out. I got it all worked out. This is who God is. No, there's always more to know of him because he is an amazing God. He is beyond anything we can understand. Isn't that awesome? Verse 10 says this. I love this in the ESV just because we love competition here. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Come on, that's awesome. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 11, it says this, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. What does that mean, always be regular? Like, I always got to have, like, cookies in my hand or my pocket or something like that. No, but it's not a bad idea. I mean, <laughs> right? Cookies are good. Maybe <laughs> wrap them in something because I don't want your pocket lint. But anyway, so, right? It's not just, like, always have a cup of lemonade ready. What is it saying? I'm ready always to usher in God's presence. I'm ready always to encourage people, to welcome people, to welcome God's presence into this situation. I'm always ready to be used of God to set up a place where people can see his glory and come to know his goodness. So if you want your life to grow, if there's something in your life right now where you're like, I need healing from this, I need strength from this, I need to be encouraged in this, I need to overcome this, I need to stop this, maybe there's something in your life you're looking to stop, maybe there's something in your life you're looking to start, maybe there's a habit that you need to break, whatever it might be that you're going through in life, whatever you're focused on right now, I just want to challenge you in this, that all you have to do is ask one simple question. Ask one simple question. Am I seeking out ways to serve God and others? Am I seeking out ways to serve God and others? I love that G.K. Chesterton, he says this. He says, monotony has nothing to do with a place. Monotony, either in its sensation or its infliction, is simply the quality of a person. There are no dreary sights. There are only dreary sightseers. It's how you look at a situation. Some of you, it's like, I, I talk to people in the church, you know, a lot of times I talk to people that are going through life. And they're like, hey, I would love to serve one day, but I'm just not quite ready yet. And I always throw back. It's like, well, does that mean you're dead? Because <laughs> wherever you are and whatever you're going through, God has placed you where you are. So that you can know God's fullness at a greater degree and you can help others to know the same. Wherever you are. And if there's something that's going on in your life and you're at a place and you're saying, I've got to get over this thing and I've got to move past this thing. The only way to do that is to get a higher view of God. And you know how you get a higher view of God? By getting a smaller viewer of yourself. And the only way to do that is to put others before yourself. Right When you put others before yourself and you begin to serve them so that they can come to know God and you serve them in spite of your brokenness, in spite of your emptiness, in spite of, and you put other people first, I'm telling you what, God will show up in that moment every single time and give you exactly what you need and you will see breakthrough. You will see Jesus show up in an incredible way. You will find joy, fulfillment, peace, love. That's the way the kingdom of God is set up. I got a great illustration of it this week. Unfortunately, when I was playing basketball on Sunday, I'm older than I should be. I'm older than I want to be, however you say that. And I'm out there playing basketball like I'm still 24, and I make a bonehead move, going up against somebody way stronger than me, and I fall to the ground, and I'm laying there and I'm thriving in pain, holding it in. I didn't cry. It was awesome. I only cry at girl movies. I didn't cry. Don't judge me for that. I didn't cry. I didn't do anything. I just laid there. And finally, all of a sudden, I started feeling pain in my knee. And I was like, oh, no, my knee. And then I'm sitting there. and am like, oh, no, it's my arm. Oh, no, it's my elbow. And then I'm like, please tell me I didn't break my watch, right? <laughs> and so all of this is going through my head. And it was like one of those falls where, like, when you fall, like, all the people that don't care about you just walk away. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, no, I'm going to help him out. That's nasty. I don't know, right? And then the people that you do care about, they're just sitting there just like, do I touch him? Do I pray for him? Do I ask if he's okay? Is there blood? You know, so you're just sitting there just waiting for it. And then all of a sudden, I just feel it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, my arm is killing me. Uh, I get up. We finish the game. Because, I mean, that's just what you're going to do, right? We finish the game. And then we go home. For a couple days, I deal with it. And then uh, I woke up on Thursday morning, and my arm is just black and blue, all the way from like right here down to here. It's just black and blue. And so I was like, "Hmm." So I sent Kimberly a picture. I was like, "Hey, that's probably not a good sign, is it?" She's like, "No, go to the doctor, you idiot." And I was like, "All right, done." And so she she tells me where to go and what to do. And so I go to the doctor, and they do this—they do uh, uh, um, an X-ray, and I do—it's an acute. Um, radiohead, is that right? Acute radial head. Every time he said it, I kept thinking he was saying radiohead, so I started thinking of lyrics from radiohead, but it's an acute radial head fracture. And so it's the bone that basically all the other bones spin around in your arm. I have a fracture in that bone. And so he comes in and he's like, after trying to figure out a thousand different things, he comes in and he's like, Good news! And I'm like, Yeah, what? He's like, Good news, good news, good news. I was like, What? He's like, We're not gonna cast it, we're not gonna brace it, we're not gonna do anything. And I'm like, Okay. He's like, but you are. And I was like, oh, yeah? He's like, yeah, you're going to move it as much as you possibly can. You're going to ice it, you're going to heat it, and then you're going to move it more. And I'm like, but it hurts. He's like, I know. (laughs) And that's how it's going to get better. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, listen, the elbow, it's a crazy thing. He said, if I was to brace it with that fracture that you have, if I was to cast it, it would actually lock up your elbow and the healing process would actually take way longer and you would actually start being affected. So it's actually not the best care for you. The best care for you is to actually just start moving your arm. Come on. That's the way it is in Christ. That's the way it is in Christ. That sometimes we're in a place and we're like, I don't know if that's good enough for me. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if, if I'm going to be able to come through on that. But don't ever let those things be roadblocks. If you feel God speaking to you, if you see a need and there's something in you that says, I could do that, jump into it no matter where you are. No matter where you are, jump into it because I'm telling you, you will see breakthrough if that's the place you go to. You will see God do amazing things in your life because you can lock yourself up. I talked about this last week. You can lock yourself up. You can spend days upon days, years upon years studying God's Word, reading God's Word, diving into it. And I'm not bashing that because you need to do that. I love it. My Bible's all marked up, underlined, highlighted. It's falling apart. I mean, look at this thing. It's crazy. So, like, that's my Bible. I love it. But listen, you could spend all your time building building up your knowledge of God's word and never serve anybody and actually be worse off for it. But when you take this thing and you digest his word and you surrender to its call to serve him and others, God shows up in that moment and God begins to transform who you are. Our core value we're talking about, I realize I never even mentioned it, is participation leads to transformation. We talk about no matter where you are, if you're even just slightly interested in the fact that there's a God out there, start pursuing it. Find places to serve. Find places to get engaged in what God's doing. I'm telling you, it's gonna transform your life. Last week, we went over all the reasons to serve. I'm gonna skip all those right now because we did it last week. You can listen to the podcast. And I would spend way too much time on that. So tonight, just real quick, I wanna talk to you about I want to talk to you about some reasons that what I've seen in people's lives and I've seen in my own life, reasons to why we don't serve. And I just want to encourage you, if you find yourself in any of these places, this is not a message of condemnation. This is not a message of judgment. This is not a message of desperation on behalf of the church where, hey, we need people. That's not what this is. Because more than we need you to get engaged for help, I'm desperate for you to get engaged in the things that God's created you for. Because that's what you're here for. That's what you're here for. And I was reading a chapter, Ephesians chapter four. Like that's what I'm gonna be judged for as a pastor. Did you help people? Did you encourage people? Did you equip people to work? That's the measure of which I have to answer to. Right? That's I was like, <gasps> but more than that. It was a moment, that's what I get to do. Like I get to say, God knows you, God loves you, and God has a purpose for you. And I'm here and the leadership team is here and this church is here to help you discover the purpose that God has placed in you, your unique you that nobody else can be for his glory, to find that and to live out the meaning and the destiny that God has for you. That's what I get to do. And that's what I want for you. Listen, it's taken care of. It's taken care of. Michelle and I, we're called to serve this church, right? We're called to serve in the church. Michelle, she serves in a bunch of different ministries. We'll make the work happen somehow. I'll put Michelle in five different places, right? <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. But look, right? It's not about, it's not about, we need this. It's about if you jump into this life Especially within the body of Christ, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each and every one of us, we have a gift, a gift to use for the body. Each and every one of us, we have a gift. If you discover that and you begin to engage that gift, I'm telling your walk with God, it will never be the same. The things that seem like problems now will not even be problems. They might still be present, but they're not going to trip you up and hold you down in bondage. You're going to be freed from those things to walk out a life of purpose and destiny and victory even in the midst of those things. That's the life that God wants you to live. That's the abundant life now. That's the life bigger and better than you can imagine. That's what he wants for us. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, begin to see something that can trip us up as paul's encouraging them to get serving to get involved to use their lives for god's glory remember in chapter 12 that's what he's doing he's going from doctrine now to what is the christian life how do you live this thing out as he's going through what's the very first thing he talks about serving others serving others that's what he talks about and he's verse three he jumps right into this verse three because of the privilege and authority god has given me i give each of you this morning hey pay attention, listen up, be engaged, look inward, be careful, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. What this verse is to do is to help us to have a sober mind, to have a clear view, to keep our minds clear of what it is that God wants us to do. That we are to on a regular basis. This is not an initial thing like, I did that back in 1999, and I'm good. No, this is a daily thing that we go through. It's an honest evaluation of who we are, our objectives, our desires, our passions, our interests, our feelings, our emotions, our wants, all of that stuff. It's an honest evaluation of who we are, and it's an honest evaluation of the faith that God has given us. It's to look at those things on a regular so that we have a very clear view of who God is in our lives and a very clear view of who we are in this world it's to constantly have God in the right position and ourselves in the right position that's what we're supposed to do is each and every one of us is to go through and to be engaged in this work now this is something I'm passionate about, I'm going to try to get through these as quick as I can here in a minute, not to rush but let's be honest you might be starting to get hungry a little bit But but I wanna but I I'm so passionate about this because I'm just telling you like if 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 we were to stop and if we were to have some way of being able to see like if I was able to put up on the screen like all the opportunities that we've had to glorify God, serve Him, and serve others that we have missed, I'm telling you it would be humbling. It would be humbling. At the same time, it's encouraging, isn't it? They'd be like, wow, God's constantly at work. I love in John chapter five, verse 17, Jesus is being berated by some of the Pharisees because they're working on the Sabbath and Jesus says to him, says, my father's always at work and so am I. It's an expectation, it's a a view, it's a perspective. God is always at work and I wanna be a part of that. I wanna be engaged in that. And if when we live that way, I'm telling you, there's freedom, there's joy. And just too often, too many of us, we're sitting in the chairs, there's disengagement of the scripture's command to serve and to love and to go, to be active in our Christianity. There's a disengagement, there's a disregard sometimes for what scripture's command is and the way the church lives its life. And it's something we've got to turn around. It's something that we've got to shift. It's something I've got to turn around and shift, right? Does that make sense? Again, I love you. I'm encouraging you. Come on, stay with me. So here's the, here's the first thing. Here's the first thing. Reasons why we don't serve is we think too much of our gifts. We think too much of our gifts. This verse right here it is a caution on pride, It's a caution on pride. It's to say, listen, judge who you are. Not by your talents, not by your abilities, not by your position, not by the influence that they garner you, not by any of that stuff. You you judge your life. You look at your character. You allow your character to be shaped and you understand who God is and where you are and you adjust accordingly by what? By how you serve others how you put others first. It's a call to say, listen, don't put your talents, don't put what you think of yourself, don't put what you think you can do or should do or be doing, don't put all of that stuff above what God has called you to do. Be honest about where you are and then operate in the faith that he's given you. What does that mean? It means that maybe one day, Maybe one day you've got a gift and you want to be Celeste and you want to be up here on the stage singing and leading the church or you want to be whatever it is that you've got an idea and a dream of. Maybe one day that that's what God will do in your life and he will lead you to. But where you are right now is where he wants you to serve. Not where you want to be one day. Tracking with me? Be honest about the faith he's given you. What has he given you to do? Maybe one day you'll be up here next to Celeste. It might be in a month or two. But we won't know until you jump in and say, can I try out? Can I practice? Can I be a part of the team? That's where you are. So that's the faith you have. Step in and engage at that level. Right? Tracking? If Celeste says, hey, listen, we're not quite there for you yet. Right? It's not quite your place yet. Let me say, but we're actively teaching our kids how to do worship, right? And you've got some pitch things that you need to work on a little bit. So we're gonna put you down there because half of them got pitched things they need to work on. You're gonna make each other better. And you're gonna flourish in that place. A lot of times, even I say that, a lot of, a lot of us, we just go, <laughs> kids? No. Where are you at? Where's the faith that God's given you? Where has he placed you? It's not to say that's where I should be. It's to say, where does God want me and where can I be? It's a perspective swift. It's to change your mentality to say, I want to be where God wants me to be. So listen, I want encouraging this. I have this in your notes. This is a good thing to remember. It's a good thing to just evaluate, and ask yourself this. If you have a narrow view of how you're willing to serve through your gift, it isn't a gift, it's an ambition. If you're saying, This is my gift, and it can only operate in this place and this way, it's not a gift. It's an ambition, and it's something you need to slaughter because it's going to keep you trapped and it's going to keep you in bondage. You need to kill that thing mercilessly as quick as you can. I'm just telling you, it will trip you up and keep you where you are for far too long. If you have a gift and it's something that you know God has given you, it doesn't matter where you engage it. It doesn't matter where you put it into action. It's just what you have been given, and you have to put it somewhere. It's an honest evaluation of who you are and where you are and what God has called you to do. If you only want to serve in ways you'll be recognized, you don't want to serve. You want to be served. And that's contrary to the gospel. It's contrary to the gospel. We've got to be in a place where we say, it doesn't matter where it is, it doesn't matter where I'm doing, this is where I can serve and I want to serve there because it's what God's put in me, it's what he's revealed me to, it's what he's created me for and I'm gonna do this thing and I'm gonna do it to my best ability. Why? For his glory and so that others can come to know him. And in doing that and using your gifts, guess what? The opportunity for you to grow in your gifts, it will present itself. Just where you are right now, just jump in and participate. And you will begin to grow, and the gifts that you have, they will be discovered, they will be revealed. And if you want to be on a different stage, a different platform, a different place one day, I'm telling you, if it's your gift and you serve wherever God creates the opportunity, it will happen. But too often, we wait because where we want to be... I just almost moved my left arm really fast, and I'm glad I didn't. Where we want to be... Instead of where we are. We've got to serve where we are. Be honest. Evaluate who you are, where you are, and the faith that God has given you. But too often we think too much of our gift. Are we good? All right. I'm going to move on real quick on these two real fast. Try to. I promise. I'm going to go over. Shocker. (laughs) We think too little of the word. I really try, guys. I really, really try. If you knew how long my notes were at the beginning of things, all right. We think too little of the work of Christ in our life. We think too little of the work of Christ in our life. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives us an incredible parable of three guys that he gives money to. This master gives money to these three people, each in different amounts. And the third person that was given the money, instead of doing anything with it, The master says, you could have just put it in a bank and earned interest. Instead of doing something with it, he took it and buried it in the ground. So Jesus uses his parable to kind of teach to us. It's a challenging one, but it's, it's one that should be one that's provoking to us. That if you are giving something by your master, if you are giving something by your Lord, if you're giving something by your king, if you're giving something by your father, right, if you're a parent, And you give your kids something to do. Do you expect them to do it? Right? Come on, that's where we are, right? He gives us something and we should do something with it. But what happens a lot of times is we get into a place where we think too little of the work that Christ is doing in our life. And so it could be something where we see in this person here, the very first line you've got there is they have this pretense of humility. And we see it too often. I see it too often in my life. Like, oh, I couldn't do that. You know, like, I I wouldn't want to disappoint anybody or I wouldn't want to let anybody down or I wouldn't want to, right? And we start giving up all these false pretenses of humility. If somebody's coming to you and giving you an opportunity to serve or if you see an opportunity to serve, If you are a follower of Christ, Jesus is your Lord. You have made him the Lord of your life. God is your father and your king, and you are a child of God. You step into it with boldness, and you serve. Don't have a false sense of humility. Don't have some pretense of humility, because it's not about you. If God's called you to step into that place, then you do it with boldness, because it's for his glory. But too oftentimes we use this air of, well, I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want to let anybody down. I don't want to fail. I don't want to, and we use all of these different things and we act as if we're being humble. That's not helping you and it's not helping the kingdom of God advance in your life or in this world. True humility is to say, this is what he's given me. I'm going to bow to him and I'm going to do it for his glory and not for mine. So step into that place with a sense of true, genuine humility. Humility. The second thing that we see here in this person is, is that it's intimidation that keeps them. How many times do we see in our own lives, we look at somebody and say, well, look what they can do. I mean, if I had that gift, then yeah, I would serve. Yeah, if I was able to have that amount of time, you know, or if I was able to make that much money and I didn't have to do, of course I would serve. Right? It's a sense of insecurity. It's a sense of, I don't have enough. no. You don't need to act like you aren't good enough because God has called you and placed you and said, I want to work through you. Stop acting like you can't. You can. Right? And don't walk with insecurity and don't walk like nothing's going to happen. Instead, walk into that place and say, I don't know what's going to happen, but if he's in control and I'm surrendered to him, it's going to be something good. Right? Do something with the gift that he's called you to. So there's a sense of of humility there's a sense of insecurity and there's a sense of apathy too many times instead of being quick to respond to things that God is doing we're slow to respond to them and the scariest thing about this parable is is not so much that this guy is working against God it's actually the fact that his apathy his unwillingness to do anything it actually cost him everything Here he's got a chance to be used in an incredible way uh, to do something big for his master. He's been singled out amongst three other people to do something with his master's money. But instead of doing something with it, he does absolutely nothing with it. And so he's not acting as some outright enemy. But the, the, the thing that is revealed is that he has no relationship and no understanding of who his master really is. Man, and that's a scary charge for us. And it should be one that provokes us, that if we're able to say, this is who God is, and his grace, he's given me salvation, and his faithfulness, he's given me a relationship with Jesus, and his goodness, I've been overwhelmed with his mercy and love, and his faithfulness and all that he is, and all of his goodness, and all of his wonder, and his power, he's invited me to participate with him in his eternal work. And we look at all that, we marvel at all of that. We say, the guy that places stars into existence, that breathe life into man, that guy knows me and has called me and chosen me and I'm going to sit here instead. Man. And we've all been there. We all go there, but we need to get out of there. We need a place and say, no, I, he's invited me to be in relationship with him. He's encouraged me to be a part of the things that he's doing. I'm telling you, this is a crazy thing right here because sometimes you say I just don't know it doesn't seem like much. It doesn't seem like much. This guy, the crazy thing is, if it was a parable today especially, if he was given $100 and he just buried it in the ground and gave it to his boss a couple years later, it would be worth less than $100 because of inflation. If you don't use what you're given, you don't just lose opportunity. You actually start to work into a deficit of opportunity. God still loves you, God still believes in you, God's going to still keep giving you opportunities, his grace is still there, he is still good, he's still faithful, but you're missing out in a big, big way. All right, thirdly, real quick, Ben, come up here so that way I start feeling guilty and shut up. No, I'll tell you what, wait one more second, wait one more second, wait one more second. I promise I'm going to be quick though, all right. Somebody can yell at me at 6.35 if I'm not moving on. All right, what we want is in conflict to God. What we want is in conflict to what God wants in our life. Let me say that again. What we want, a reason we don't serve is because what we want is in conflict to what God wants in our life. What we want is in conflict to what God wants in our life. Psalm 37, three, trust in the Lord and do what? Trust in the Lord and do what? It says, do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. I love this verse because we always quote part B and never part A. God will give me the desires of my heart. What does the whole verse say? It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? Want the things that God wants. And when you want the things that God wants... He's going to say yes, right? But if you forget this part and you just say, I want this, I want this, I want this, guess what? It probably ain't going to happen. Because you know why you're saying you want this? Because you want it. But we got to work. It's a process to get into a place to say, I want this because he wants it. And when that is our life and we trust that he's working out and we step out to do good in that place, in that position, then God gives us the desires of a heart. In Ephesians chapter 3, where should he come up? Ha, 635, nailed it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think his power is at work within you it's not you accomplishing it's him working through you I say it all the time dad was joking on me saying that mom's gonna make me a shirt that God wants to do something in your life so that he can do something through your life It's him working through you. Stop thinking too little of the work of Christ. Christ accomplished all things on the cross. Christ claimed all victory on the cross. Christ broke all shame, all weaknesses. He broke everything. And he, in that place of victory, when he rose from the grave, he said, this is not just for me, but it's for those who believe in me. Right? You do not think too little of the work of Christ. He's called you. He's placed you. He's given you opportunity. Step into it and serve faithfully. It will change your life and it will advance the kingdom of God in this world. The church, this world can no longer afford for people to sit still, apathetic, insecure, walking around, acting like we're something that we're not. We need to be engaged and committed to the work that God's called us to do, willing to serve even if it's not glorious. Willing to serve even if it's not fancy. Willing to serve even if nobody knows our name. Willing to serve even if it pushes us farther than we want to go. Willing to serve even though if it costs us everything in certain areas. And we just say that's okay because I want Jesus more than those things anyways. Willing to serve to be committed so that what? God can be glorified and others can come to know him. Wherever you are If you're able to just participate in the things that God's doing, you will see growth. You will see transformation. It's just a matter of faith. Just like Jesus, my Father's always at work, and so am I. I'm anticipating. I'm expecting. I want to be where He is. I want to serve in the way that He's serving. On this thing, it says, uh, where can I serve? So I can help you out real quick. It's work. All my people that like to fill in blanks, it's work, community, home, and church. Work, community, home, and church. If you're at a place like, I just don't know if I can trust the church. I've been hurt by the church. That's okay. Come and talk to me. Let's talk about it. Are you serving in your home? Are you serving in your workplace? Are you serving in your community? Participate in the things that God's doing. He's not just working here. He's working out there. He's working, if God help you, you go to Taco Bell tonight. He's working there. Participate in the things that he's doing. Serve people, love people, be engaged in the work that he's doing. Specifically here in the church, if this is your church home, I've listed out for you all of the different places that you could serve. All of the different places you could serve. If you're not serving please hear me on this if you're not serving i'm not going to think any differently of you i'm not bashing you i'm not trying to get up here and point fingers and say you should be i'm saying please please i want you to know jesus in a whole new way and this is the way he set this thing up when he first called his disciples he said what come and follow me and what is he going to do make you fishers of men come in contact with jesus and who he is it changes you you have to you are compelled to you should be compelled to be engaged in the work that god is doing if you've been complacent if you've buried your talent if you haven't been if you've been thinking too much of yourself and too little of god if whatever it is we're going to stand and we're going to sing the song and we are say god i'm going to participate in the things that you're doing Help me to be sensitive to them. Help me to be aware of them and help me to jump into them wherever they are. Father, thank you for the grace and the courage for us to do that. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen and amen.